Hey, I'm Kevin Burke, 93 Dizzy Dean World Series champion. My eight-year-old team won 50 games last year, and I have so many rings and trophies, I can't even keep up with them all. Wait, you're saying nobody cares? That that That's not going to get my kid to the big leagues? All right, all right. Let's talk about what really matters. Welcome to the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. First-hand and real-time experience, stories, advice, and lessons learned. Some the hard way by me, a former player, lifelong fan, and now dad and coach. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. I'm excited to bring you a guest interview today, Mike Steele from the Cleveland Indians. Mike is probably the most qualified person I could think of to talk to us about youth baseball and player development. Mike played high school, college, and then pro ball. Mike spent seven years with the Pittsburgh Pirates as a pitching coach. He also has been the pitching coach at Michigan State University, Long Beach State University, and Wichita State University. He recently started with the Cleveland Indians. He's based out of Phoenix, Arizona. He works throughout the season with their rookie league team, but then during spring training and the offseason, he works with guys from brand new, right out of high school draft picks, all the way up to big league pitchers. Mike, in addition, though, and this is, I think, what kicks it up a notch for us, he also has two young sons, ages 10 and 13, and he coaches their summer ball team. Uh, that right there, to me, it's like brings it all together, right? The, the, the playing career, the coaching career, and now being a dad. And I think he, he's, like I said, uniquely positioned to tell us about his experiences and, and what he sees in the youth baseball game today. So, I've tried to keep these episodes around 30 minutes, but Mike and I went over an hour. So what I've done is I've split this up into two episodes. I want to make sure that it's it's digestible, but make sure that um, if you like what you hear, subscribe, go to getelbowup.com, type in your email address. And next week when part two comes out, you'll get an email letting you know it's live. Also, Mike's going to come back. We're going to talk about some ideas on how to make youth baseball better. We're going to talk about pitching. We're going to talk about youth arm care. We're going to talk about probably everything that we can think of. And and Mike has been gracious enough to say, hey, I love talking about this stuff. I want to make a difference. So, you know, I'll come back as much as I can. So make sure you subscribe, getelbowup.com. And that way I can send you an email as soon as the next episode goes live. So enjoy the next half hour. Please make sure and share this with everybody you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, send it to a parent, a friend, a coach, and uh, let me know what you think. Hey, Mike, welcome to the podcast. So, Mike, in the intro, I told the listeners a little bit about you and your background, but if you don't mind, um, I want to give you a chance to just tell everybody um, who you are and, and what you've done. And I think probably the most popular podcast so far was with Sean Kelly, who, you know, spent 11 years in the big leagues and everybody liked that because he's kind of been there, done that. Um, and I, and I thought to myself at the time, well, there's probably nobody better to have on the podcast than somebody who's played at the high level. 
Um, now, though, after meeting you, I, I may have topped that because not only have you played at a high level, but you've also coached and not just in college, but at the professional level as well. So maybe give everybody a couple minute intro into Mike Steele and, and who you are and, and where you've been. Well, um, I currently am a father of four, been married for 17 years. Um, I grew up in Michigan, uh, growing up playing a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of different sports, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, um, and then a whole bunch of games we probably we made up just to, like, compete against each other. Um, and raised by a very good athletic uh, grandfather. My dad wasn't around, um, and sports was kind of the thing that, um, you know, kept me in line. Uh, was always a pretty good player, not a great player. Um, I was a year kind of behind the guys in my class. Uh, so even going into high school, into our um, senior year, uh, I was probably middle of the pack as far as a player is concerned, but um, had a really good arm. Uh, you know, swung the bat from the left side, but played multiple sports. Ended up, um, didn't get any, I didn't get any offers out of high school. Um, probably because my, my grades were really bad. I was one of those guys that had a great test score, but, uh, you know, hated doing homework. Um, so I went to JUCO for two years. Um, the first year was a little tiny JUCO called St. Clair County Community College. Transferred to Grand Rapids Community College, um, which was the defending national champion. Um, and then I uh, was really fortunate enough to, to get a Division One scholarship to Central Michigan University. Uh, played two years there, um, and really all the way into my senior year is when I kind of really turned into, uh, you know, really a, a player that, um, you know, w was draftable. And I actually got drafted as a pitcher, even though I was a position player uh, as well. Um, and, yeah, I ended up playing um, uh, six and a half seasons. Uh, got Tommy John, got shoulder surgery. Probably didn't take as good care of myself as I as I probably should have, um, and then uh, yeah, 26 years old. I was older um, after I got rule fived over to the Seattle Mariners, and and you know got married, and uh, you know ended up uh, you know my wife was pregnant. I'm you know making 1,400 bucks a month, and. Um, you know, a guy that I was friends with got a head job at Michigan State and offered me a pitching coach job for 35000 a year, which seemed like a, a million dollars plus, you know, health benefits. So I ended up doing that, kind of started my career as a, as a coach. So coached two years there. Um, and then uh, uh, for a lot of reasons, um, ended up jumping out for a little bit to start working in um, with Bo Jackson and John Cangelosi in Chicago and the Illinois Sparks, which is a travel team, and uh, put up a big dome there called Bo Jackson's Elite Sports. And then about nine months into that job, I got offered a pitching coach job uh, by Troy Buckley and the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then I stayed there for, uh, see, I coached there for seven years. Uh, and then I scouted for a year. Um, pro scouted a little bit and then uh, went back to college, coached at Long Beach State for two two years and then Wichita State for two years. And then um, the, then uh, I wanted to get back into pro ball just because um, 
I just didn't like where college baseball was at. And I, I really didn't like recruiting because I, I, I didn't like dealing with uh, some of the stuff you have to do. I didn't want to beg 15-year-old kids to love me and want to come hang out with me. And, um, you know, and, and then, uh, you know, got offered uh, a job with the Cleveland Indians. And my role here is kind of uh, it's kind of a different role. I mean, I... I do coach our, our, our rookie ball team, but really my job is to handle a lot of off-season development with um, our upper-level guys, um, major leaguers, um, spend a lot of time with those guys uh, in the off-season and then be part of uh, the, the major league uh, spring training uh, when it's a normal year. Um, and then, you know, roll into kind of laying foundations of development uh, for our young guys and then take out take out the youngest team in the summer and, and, and have a lot of fun. But it allows me to coach professional baseball and still coach my boys in 13U and 10U and be home every night instead of being on the road for, for six months. So uh, that's kind of what, yeah, that's kind of uh, – been the path yeah well that know. that's impressive and it's funny I was I was I was jotting down so you know high school player college player pro player uh college coach slash recruiter right uh pro coach pro scout yep. and then maybe most importantly uh dad and youth coach um and, and I think that's really yep. where again I, I think you check all the boxes and so you have I think a, a lot of us can speak <laughs> to this stuff um from different perspectives uh, you probably have the most diverse and complete perspective. And um, it's even – I think it goes even deeper, right? It, it, one thing that I was noticing, a lot of guys, it's easy for the elite of elite athletes to say, oh, well, you know, you don't have to play travel ball. You know, when I'm talking – I'm talking about like a first-rounder who throws 98. <laughs> you know, he's going to get drafted sure. whether he played anyway. It doesn't matter where he plays. Uh, and I think to hear you say you right. didn't really get any offers out of high school – and then look at where your career has gone. Um, it, 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 it's even more yeah. uh, impressive because not just your career, obviously that is, but the fact that you can speak to the, the rat race that we see now in youth baseball, because I think everybody's trying to make their 10 year old, the next Mike Trout. And that's not necessary. Right. And matter of fact, a lot of guys, you know, I think sometimes, uh, and I, I digress here, but sometimes people that, maybe don't have that same God-given ability or that, that natural talent, they, they do better because they have to work harder. They have to learn ways to overcome those, those uh, you know, disadvantages, if you will, uh, to some of their peers. So, um, okay, that's really cool. Um, sure. I want to tell the listeners, too, kind of how we met. So, we don't, you know, we're not like long-lost friends and, and known each other forever. Um, this is probably the one thing, besides just helping, I get a lot of, I get a lot of uh, emails and comments from parents and dads who – just don't know anything or better and so they're like hey came across your stuff and I really appreciated it. it helped me look at things differently or whatever and I think those are the emails that keep me doing this but I saw a comment that you posted you know on one of the uh, recent episodes so it was the one about uh, titled weekend tournaments are ruining youth baseball player development and when I posted that and recorded it and then posted it on several Facebook groups I started thinking to myself, well, am I am I right? Is this something where I missed the, the mark on? Because, you know, there was – initially there was quite a few dads mostly, maybe some moms, that thought I was crazy. Oh, weekend tournaments are where it's at. That's where we have the most fun. And I think a lot of it, <laughs> looking back on it, people were just reading the headline. They didn't really get into the reasoning. Um, because, trust me, I love right. the tournaments too. Like, I'm not knocking the tournaments themselves. 
I'm really knocking how we as parents and coaches approach those tournaments. So basically you commented on it and just said, hey, Kevin, you know, Cleveland Indians pitching coach here, um, totally agree. Um, I think the way we do it today is, is destroy. I use the term destroying development. So that's really what brings us here today. Yes. And I and I appreciate you uh, yes. joining the podcast. Yeah. Well, I that that's the thing because I just um, I just come off a a tournament um, that we played here with the 13U team that I coached for my son, and we had just started. I we had just started this team back in in January, um, and you know, and and I did it just because I a lot of times with with my 13 year old. I was in a position where I couldn't coach, uh, and that was, you know, back in college and, and being able to dedicate time. And, I, you know, coaching is something that I don't take um, as just like, oh, well, I'll just show up and roll out balls. Like, I like it to be planned and have perspective and intent. Um, but we had just gotten done with the tournament, and I realized uh, after getting to know some of these parents and stuff, like, there's such a panic about their kid doing well and there's anxiety in these parents and there's um pressure on these kids and they're 13 and um you know i don't know if anybody you know realizes uh, uh what it's like to be a 13 year old boy um it's a very awkward confusing crazy time just because you're going from being this little boy to kind of being a man and the hormones and, and, and puberty and all of a sudden they got big feet, they got some armpit hair, they stink, I, they don't know what they're doing. Um, and now we're all of a sudden putting pressure on these guys uh, to execute uh, inside of a baseball game for the purpose of winning uh, uh, some bullcrap ring that means nothing. And then I, you know, I had a talk with our kids about these rings because I think we dropped into the silver bracket because, you know, everybody's got to go to a bracket. And then we ended up winning the silver bracket. And they gave me a big thing of rings. And I'm like, what, what am I going to do with these? Because, you know, from our perspective, Kevin, when, when we had rings, like I have, I have probably like seven rings, right? I have no idea where they're at. But these rings were like, you played a whole year of college baseball. You grinded. You fought. You finished in a position that you could play the conference tournament. You grinded out the college tournament, and you won the conference tournament, and you got a ring. And that, that ring meant the blood, sweat, tears, the outlasting everybody, the persevering through the, you know, the, persevering through the, 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 the game itself, and then also the – the, the bonding of a team and the building of a team. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, we dropped down to, I don't know, the, the toilet bowl bracket of some tournament that everybody paid money to be in. And because we just outlasted the other team who we didn't even really beat, they just lost it to us because they did more things wrong than we did. And boom, now here's your you know ring that you can put where. You know, I think my 10-year-old, I just, you know, went in his room. He's got 11 rings up there. He's 10. <laughs> well, and I and think I'm to just, your point earlier about uh, the, you know, in college, what about that team that did the same thing? They grinded all year. They worked hard. They may have had a better season. 
and then they came up short to your team in the conference tournament. They didn't. They didn't even get a ring. Sure. And now we. And now now we're. Sure. And, and I have to say this because I do get. You know, I, take a step back for a second. I, I think it's fun. Like I like the kids enjoying. They need to have fun, right? I, I, at this age, especially. Like when you're 17 and 18. While yes, it's still a game. It's different. When you're nine and ten, like if they're not going to have fun, they're not going to enjoy being out there. And if they're not going to enjoy being out there, they're not going to get better, and they're not going to want to come back. And so I am a proponent. Like there's some things. Like yeah. I used to be against the the. Uh, the walk-up songs for the for the eight U teams, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, that team has the mm-hmm. big boombox or whatever Bluetooth in their pl-. and and now it's like you know what? It's a game. The game's evolving. You and I talked about the evolution a little bit and the technology and stuff. But um, the who cares? Like I'm not going to worry about playing the walk. Like they, they're watching their their MLB idols walk up to music. Let them do it too. But the ring is part of the the underlying issue that you and I talk about where. It's it's feeding this never-ending race to, to to play more and and win and make decisions that aren't good for our kids long term or even in three weeks because we want to win the ring you just talked about in the silver bracket after we just played four games. Correct, correct, and and the the downfall of it is that we have this transactional. You know, the parents and the kids now have this transactional relationship with a sport that you can do everything right and still lose. And that that's just, it's unfair. Because now we don't talk about, you know, we don't talk to these young men about controlling what they can control. You know, their attitude, their concentration, their effort. Um, we don't look at the perspective of adversity being something that's shaping them as young men. Um, we look at it as, can my kid just not screw up as much as that other kid, either on his team and especially on the other team? So is are we developing? No, that's not developing. I mean, what good does it do? I told a couple of my parents, what good does it do for us to win a tournament if your kid can't make the high school baseball team, just from a baseball standpoint, and then I and, and then the, you know the, my biggest challenge to these parents were, why are you taking this kid to work on skills when he doesn't even know where to go to be a cutoff guy? He can't even really catch the baseball. You know, I mean, I've I've had you know because I do some lesson stuff, but I, I it's really hard to do lessons with me because I require the kids to put in a ton of work to develop, um, just just arm moving on their own, let alone going into mechanics. And then people want to like parents want to buy a good delivery. Well, what does I, there's a ton of good deliveries that are uh, that are working at Subway right now, and there's a bunch of bad deliveries making millions of dollars in the big league. So it's like I've had parents, and I've literally done this, where a parent has said, hey, I want to come do lessons with you. Okay, well, how old is your kid? Ten. I said, oh, yeah, come see me. As soon as they get there, they give me money. I take their kid through an hour where I show him, here's how you, here, here's how you start your throwing program. Here's what's important in throwing. Um, well, what about pitching? Don't worry about pitching. You don't even know how to throw. And then at the end of the at the end of the lesson, I hand them back their money and I say, "Now go get a bucket of balls and a net, and go home and do this every day. I'll see you in four years." 
So, yeah, even after, you know, giving them, you know, telling them, look, this kid's got to go throw. I mean, the problem is, is, you know, us growing up in a neighborhood, we had to learn how to do this ourselves. And we had to do this because we had to make friends. Um, uh, you know, if you were not the kid that was very good at sports growing up, you weren't the first or, first or second person to be called. You were usually last. Um, is that right or wrong? No, it's just what it was. You know, that's how we learned how to throw. We learned how to hit. We learned how to play hoops. We learned how to be a small guy playing against a big guy or a big guy playing against fast guys. You know, you you learned how to deal with whatever your strengths and weaknesses were in order to compete against the guys in the neighborhood to kind of establish that, that hierarchy. Uh, but you also made your best friends through it. The, pro, the, the thing about that was is that you learned fundamental athleticism. You learned how to create a base of support. You learned how to control a center of gravity. You learned how to climb trees and ride bikes and race and compete. And you didn't want that guy next to you being better than you. Even though you respected him, um, you learned how to compete. You know, just put your head down and compete. These kids think... Um, and it's not their fault. It's our fault as parents and the lesson industry and the um, tournament slash showcase industry that this one objective measurement um, determines how good of a player I am. Um, this ring that we really didn't win, I think the other teams lost determines how good of a player I am and how good I feel about myself. And in in essence, the parents who are so much overly involved because they've put in money and time and all this stuff, they feel that it's like determines where they are socially because of how good their kid is or whatever team they want. And, and that's why tournament baseball is, I could not think of a worse set up for developing youth baseball players it just at all because it's a win at all costs and i and, and here's here and this is what's funny is we play this youth baseball that's like crazy intense and you got to win this game and you can't let up this many runs so you can get this seating in the bracket play and blah 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 blah, blah. well and then they get the pro ball and we go listen uh don't Listen, we, we're trying to win, yeah. But listen, I'm trying to make you a major leaguer. So you got about five years. So I need you to stop doing all those things that you've been rewarded with since you were six years old. That mindset, because that is a mental breakdown of the delivery and the compensation and all that stuff that we deal with. So this is a deep-seated, rooted problem. Um, and like I, I wrote to you, man, I, I don't know what the perfect solution is. I just know that what we're doing is not it at all. Yep. Yeah, and I think um, just for everybody listening, I think Mike and I could talk about this for three hours. Um, for the sake of the podcast, we're going to keep it as short as we can, and then we're going to come back and talk about some potential solutions. I think for me it's less about, like, is there a silver bullet? Because, you know, some of the feedback I got, there is differences geographically. I know there's certain things that 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 do that happen in California that don't happen in Tennessee. Like in in my area, there is nothing. It's like it's like rec ball, uh, which has been rated of all the all the talent, right? Um, 
and that's it. Or you go to the other end of the spectrum where you have this, quote, travel ball, and it's every weekend, and it's crazy, uh, and there's nothing in between. And I know other areas, actually, some of the travel teams actually play in leagues and do things. So there are geographical differences and age differences and things like that, and we'll talk about some potential solutions. I think where, where I've focused with Elbow Up, and, and obviously the, the, um, the name is, is, is kind of meant to be funny, but it's less about, it you know, you know there, <laughs> well, you know, there are thousands of quote experts that are going to tell you how to fix your swing or how to, you know, your pitching mechanics can be improved and different things. There's not enough people talking about the, the approach and what you should be thinking about. And I did, you know, what kicked this off, I started, um, kind of had a gut check moment myself with my younger son and, and how I just felt like he wasn't enjoying being out there anymore. And I could tell quickly at that moment, if I didn't make it fun and I, and I didn't get off his case, he was going to lose interest and didn't want to be out there, right? And as a parent, you know, I, I guess maybe it's age and experience. I've come to enjoy just being out there. You mentioned this when we talked last week. The chance – and your kids are pretty good, right? Um, the chances of them, though, playing pro ball or getting that D1 offer are, are slim – uh, not because they're not any good. If you just look at the numbers, if you just look at the statistics, mm -hmm. the chances of yes. them being a, a, a playing at that next level are very slim. Um, and there's so many factors that come into play. You know, some of it's luck, honestly, right? Um, yep. Some of it, though, you know, you got injuries. You have do they lose interest? Um, you know, so many different things. What do you what do you tell the parent though, Mike? That says, you know, my kid's nine or my kid's ten, and I hear what you and Kevin are saying. But I feel like I'm going to get left behind. Like my kids is going to get behind all these other kids. Like what do you what do you tell that that parent? Well, I mean, if somebody, you know, I, I guess I, I've never been asked that like verbatim. But I mean, I guess in essence, a lot of the things like what what should he be doing right now? Um, yeah, what should he be doing? Right? Like, yeah. what, should we be doing this lesson or doing this? Or especially when it comes to pitching. Um, you know, that, like I get that a lot. And what I tell them is, is, well, what, what is behind? Like, what's your goal? Um, you know, just, just run the numbers. I, this is the ridiculousness of, of this, that, uh, and, and my wife is always like, well, it's because you have a perspective of who's going to make it, who's not going to make it. Right. Like, and the chances yeah. of it. I mean, if you, if you want to play after high school, right, there's 40, 450,000 plus high school baseball players. Eight and a half percent play past high school. That's eight and a half percent, right? It, and if they just got out of that, I mean, Division One is like three and a half, four percent. Um, your kid's not going to be in the top eight and a half percent of really anything the rest of his life. Um, hopefully he will. Hopefully he's going to be awesome and great, but not really. Um, we just, you just aren't, right? There's too many people in the world. Um, so, but what's the chances that this kid's going to need to be a good employee? Uh, probably 100%. What's the chances this kid's going to need to be a, a father, right? Um, and a good father, which our world is sorely lacking. Uh, well, 100%. I mean, if he can find some girl that, you know, with my kid, if he can find some girl that's, you know, 
That'll take him um, in. Yeah. So um, what's the chances that he's going to, um, you know, be be a husband, right? Um, I, 100%, 95, 100%. I mean, some guys might not get married, but it would probably we all end up that way, you know. Um, so, well, what are, the, what are the things that those attributes to be good at all three of those things that matches up with him being really good at sports? I mean, it's the things he can control. Right. It's the it's the toughness. It's the 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 gentleness. It's the um, the attention to detail. It's the discipline. It's the sacrifice. It's it's all that stuff that nobody's nobody's talking about with these kids. They're talking well, and, about and it's also it's also the the uh, being able and I, I, I get pushed back a lot on this, but I, it's not that I want to lose. I mean, I think you're crazy if anybody wants to lose. Right. But they've got to learn how to like. They need to know that they didn't make the gold bracket and so they don't get a ring. Like, that's how life yep. is. And, yep. and I'm not trying to be ugly. And I think there's also, you know, I hear this a lot, teams that, you know, especially there's such a disparity in talent at, at the younger ages. There's two or three really, really good teams like in our area. And then there's not a lot in the middle, right? And there's teams that just, if they go to a tournament with the other two or three, they're never going to win a ring. Right. And so I get right. that the gold, the silver bracket and the bronze bracket or whatever allows those kids to experience that. But it's I think that the conversation is more broad in, as far as the adversity. If you think back to your time as a college coach and, a, and now a professional coach, I mean, if you can, I know I never played pro ball, but I know my brother did for what, six, seven years. If you can't handle diversity or adver- adversity, you can't, if you can't handle that either, but if you can't handle adversity, <laughs> you can't, you're not going to be successful. No, you that's that, in anything, right? No question, because that's why, I, like, college is not the place for development. College is actually more like this tournament ball that we're playing with you guys, because you got to win, man. Especially when you start to get to, um, you know, and I never got like those major Power Five jobs, but you know, Wichita State and Long Beach State, there was pressure to win, um, and we we're making good money. Uh, the the other side of it is is, um, look, man, you're. So I've been very, very blessed um, that I've gotten to coach uh, Garrett Cole. I was his first pitching coach in, uh, in pro ball. Um, Jamison Talion, a number two pick overall in 2010. Uh, I've been around, uh, you know, a bunch. I, you know, I hate, you know, I feel like I'm bragging about, but I've just, I've been around that top half percent, right? Um, this kid we just drafted two years ago, Daniel Espino. I mean, this guy. Is just unbelievable power, mobility, arm speed. I mean, he's 95 to 100. He's 18 years old. He's physical, yet he's unbelievable. I mean, look, there's a top half percent of pro ball guys that, look, they're just better than everybody. Like, your kid's not going to be like Garrett Cole. Sorry. It's just not happening. Like, Garrett Cole can fall out of bed at three in the morning and he's throwing 95 it's 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 just 95 now could your kid um you know play pro ball sure i mean if i could anybody could i promise you that but here's the thing would you do that at the detriment of him being a father to your grandkids right would you do that would you do that what good is it if he gets to pro ball and he actually hates baseball, which I see all the time? 
Um, because pro ball, the thing about pro ball is pro ball is life. It's every single day. So whatever happened yesterday, good or bad, has zero, zero to do with what's happening right now. It has zero to do with your ground ball routine today. It has zero to do with what's going to happen at 7 o'clock. Um, all the way up until, especially when you get to the major leagues, where there's just zero margin for error. And then that's just a war of attrition just to get there. So you still need all these skills that I'm talking about, even if your kid is going to be like Garrett Cole or Jamison Talian or Daniel Espino. Because if they're not... I've seen a plenty of guys that did get the delivery, did throw 95, did throw 98, did do all this stuff, but their problem was is that it, deep inside where their character was, they could not handle performing under the immense pressure of in the big league. So now rewind it all the way back, right? Rewind it all the way back. That's got to be raised with parents. That has to be coached by coaches, right? And it has to be embraced with the kids. So one of the first things that we look for, um, like when I was recruiting or now when I'm, I'm coaching, is how self-aware is this kid? Has this kid been told the truth? I mean, you made a statement a little bit back, like, I don't want to be ugly. You know, I, my, my retort to that, Kevin, is I don't, think we have anything to do but be ugly right now. And, and, and telling the truth is not ugly because the biggest problem right now are the parents. They are the parents. I mean, and I don't even know, some are malicious about it, some I just don't even know. Nobody's ever said, look, stop. What does this game matter right now? And yeah, and I, 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 that's true. I, I, and I actually, I, I try to have this outlook on life. I tell my kids, you know, I, 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 I at least approach everyone that, that they have good intentions, knowing that some don't. But I think the majority of parents don't even mean to do this. They get wrapped right. up in it. But the problem right. with that is they have to be intentional to get out of it. Right. Um, it's not just going to happen. One, you know, they, they fell into this, and and it's hard to to blame them when they didn't know any better. But now that they do, and they're in the middle of it, they're going to have to be intentional to get out of it. And I think that's right. the key. And and you know, I do I do to you know what you said. I, it's not that maybe I'm not concerned about being ugly, but I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer all the time and just say right. you're doing it no wrong. Question. You're doing it wrong. You're doing no it question. wrong. Uh, because and I say this almost every time. I did all the wrong things. Uh, matter of fact, you know, my, my son's probably a good example, my 18-year-old, where, you know, he was average. I mean, he was, uh, he was above average if you look at, the, at his peer group. But, you know, on the teams that he played on and things, um, he never was that, that top-tier guy. And then right. now he gets to high school, he's filled out, he's more athletic, he's tall, he's fast, he's, he hits for power, yep. he can throw hard. But he honestly, and it's my fault as a dad and a coach, he's not developed as far as he could have been if I had done it the right way. And that's really sure. the motivation behind this. And, you know, it's not uh, having a pity party about it. It's just, hey, been there, done that, trying to help you not do it again kind of thing. Right. Yep. No question. And, and that's tough. I mean, the fun part about uh, about the thing – well, I mean, not, not the fun part, but the hard part is is that they're – especially boys. You have to – like, people have to understand boys. Boys do not get better and learn – through sitting there talking 
or for by being told what to do. They learn through experience and play. Um, and and so it's like parents and youth coaches are, are equally to blame. Because I think what happens, and I see it and it just it disgusts me, is um, when I see 13-year-old coaches, and even 10-year at times, uh, yelling at kids who – like they 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 have not done something like think of the learning like how you learn they haven't done this long enough to have screwed it up enough times to have developed a way to get proficient at it to actually be competent at anything in their life let alone one of the the difficult probably the most difficult sport there is. And yet we're going to stand on the sidelines as parents and coaches and scream out there that a kid should get his elbow up, which is wrong anyways. Or, or this is my favorite, you know, coach, uh, coach Olson, uh, coach O, he, he's awesome. I got to meet him. Um, Rod Olson, he, he's great. And one of the things is, like, don't be coach obvious, right? So, like, you know, the fly ball goes up and it drops in between three guys. And you got coach obvious go, hey, you got to catch that ball. Oh, thanks, coach. Or, you're right, or, like, a pitcher's out there pitching. He's throwing balls and the coach, hey, throw strikes. Perfect. Per- oh, okay. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to do. You know, versus, <laughs> like, going, hey, man, um, what are the ingredients behind this guy not throwing strikes? Well, uh, he's 12. Okay. Is it his delivery? Nah, well, he physically is not strong enough to actually have a delivery. So we can't really hold him accountable for that. Um, the other thing is, is like, uh, parents are so afraid of their kids to have failure and taste pain. But I, I just had to talk the other day. Your kid's going to have failure. And... If he's on my team, the thing that I'll do, is even if he's going well, he still has to play against the standard in which I set to the team. So I'm never going to let him get too high, and I'm never going to let him get too low. And, and that's the secret to find the perspective. But the most important trait is can he persevere through it? Like what happens on that next pitch? You know, what happens after that strikeout? Is he ready for the ground ball? Stuff like that. But... I would rather have them have a ton of pain and a ton of failure right now handled in the proper perspective before they do get to a high school varsity tryout when they're juniors and it actually matters how they perform, right? I mean, because that's kind of the start of it and that's completely appropriate, but not at, at 11, right? All right, so that's part one. Again, I've got about another half hour of content Um, you don't want to miss it. Make sure you go to getelbowup.com and subscribe, put your email address in there. It's free and I'll send you an email as soon as the next one comes out. It'll be next week. Also, you can subscribe and listen in iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts. Um, but listen, we got a lot more to cover. Mike talks about his experience. It's great. I think to hear the different perspective, somebody who's kind of been at that top level, um, and how we really need to focus on teaching lessons and skills and and how our kids should be handling things not just creating robots to be 
uh, successful in a game when they're nine or 10 or 11, right? How do they handle adversity? How do we prepare them for middle school and high school? How do we prepare them for entering the workforce and being husbands and fathers and employees? So if anything, I hope this at least got you thinking. Uh, I encourage you to come back, get the next uh, episode. And then as always, please share this with somebody, at least one person that you think might enjoy it or need to hear it. Hope you guys have a great week. See you next time.